and do it. So as we're about to study, I don't mind, if you don't mind, let's bow our heads for prayer and ask God's Holy Spirit to be with us as we are about to delve into inspiration. Because of our natural selves, we cannot understand the things of God. And it is impossible for us as we're delving into the scriptures and into inspiration for us to understand it without God's Holy Spirit. So if you don't mind, let's bow our heads for prayer and ask God to be our teacher. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to be able to open our Bibles, to be able to open inspiration and to study and to look at the heart of God and to look at the things of God in a way that will bring honor to you. And Father, we submit our thoughts and feelings that they reflect your own. We confess our sins before you, Father, knowing that there is no good thing that we have to offer. And we accept your son. And we pray, Father, that the blood of Jesus covers us now as we study. And we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the only effectual teacher of truth. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, friends. So we're about to study our Bibles. And I'm looking forward to studying with you. And we're studying actually our Bibles and this book on every, this is Monday. So every Monday night, we are studying the book Education, and we are in chapter four. We are in chapter four of the book Education, and I want to start out with a passage, and it's in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter four, 1 Corinthians chapter four, and we're going to begin reading at verse number six, or verse number three. Or 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3. And let's, let me read this in your hearing. So as we're, again, we're studying, so we're using our intellect and we're walking through the passage. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, the Bible's, verse 3, the Bible says, But if our gospel be hid... It is hid to them that are, what's it say, that are lost, in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. So what are they preaching? They're preaching Jesus Christ, right? Then it says in verse number six, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness have shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, my friends, now this, this becomes so important. This becomes vitally important because the light of the knowledge of the glory of God is found in the face of Jesus. Don't miss that. It's found in the face of Jesus. Now, the reason why this becomes so important, why this becomes so pertinent, as we have been talking about education, we have been looking at some principles, and I want to review some of those principles with you as we are doing our study tonight. So we've been looking at the book Education, and we saw that when God created man, he created man with an intent. He created man with a purpose, and that purpose was the harmonious 
development of body, mind, and soul. So that's the first part. God said when, I, when he makes man, he makes man in his own image, and his intent was that he would make them body, mind, and soul like himself, right? That harmonious development. And the second part that we looked at very carefully, that's, that is when God created man, he created man to show them the idea of service. Service, not just in this world, but service for the world to come. Now, why is that important? Because this is the foundation. This is the foundation for the creation of man. This is the intent of God in the creation of man. But let's go a little bit further with this. Let's go a little bit further with this idea. In the book, Education, and I want to read it to you. In the book, Education, in the first chapter, it says very, very clearly, true education means more than the perusal of a certain course of study. It means more than a preparation for the life that is now. It has to do with the whole being and with the whole period of existence possible to man. It is the harmonious development of the physical, mental, and spiritual powers. It prepares the student for the joy of service in this world and for the higher joy of service in the world to come. Now, <clears throat> the reason why I'm reading that to you, the reason why I'm setting the, the, the premise here is because I don't know if you paid attention, but if you go with me to the Ten Commandments, go with me to the Ten Commandments for a moment. I'm going to show you something that you may have seen already. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, and I'm going, I'm not, Exodus 20, and let's read actually verse number 1 and 2. It says, and God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And then it says this, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a, what's it say? He's a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and do what? Keep my commandments. This is important. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Now for a moment, just think with me. God in the creation of man gives man this idea of the harmonious development of body, mind, and soul. And the only way that that harmonious development can take place is if they know God himself. In other words, there could be no other gods before him. In order for man to know himself, he must know God. Okay, are you still with me? In order for man to know himself, he must know God. Now, keep that in mind. The first four commandments all have to do with our relationship to God. Are you following? The first four commandments have everything to do with our relationship to God. Now, if God's intent in the creation of man was that he would know, have a harmonious development of body, mind, and soul, then the reality is that in that relationship, in that education in regards to who God is, 
comes a clear revelation into who I am. Does that make sense? The clear revelation in regards to who God is, is a clear revelation into who I am. Now, the second part, the second part of the Ten Commandments is, let's read it. You'll see here where it says, or actually the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, right? We remember God as our creator. But then after the fourth commandment, it says in verse number 12, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So what, com what does that commandment do? That's our relationship to our to our parents, to those who are above us. That's how we serve others. It's an other-centered approach. Look at, look at verse number 13. Thou shalt not kill. Well, that idea of not killing is an other-centered approach to living. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's an other-centered approach to living. Thou shalt not steal. That's an other-centered approach. I hope, you're, I hope you're following along. I hope you're following along. The idea is very simple, that the first four commandments help us understand the development of body, mind, and soul, but the last six commandments talk about our service to others, our service to others, both now and in the world to come. Now, keep that in mind, because I'm, I'm literally trying to lay a foundation, because we're about to build a case. We're building a case, because we're showing the connection between true education and redemption. They are one and the same, my friends. Go with me. We're now in the book education. I want you to see, look, look with me if you have the book. Go to the book education. If not, just follow along. It's in page 28. I'm going to read this. Brothers and sisters, as I was reading this today, my heart jumped for joy. As I was reading this chapter, there's only three pages in this chapter, but these three pages are profound. Okay? Stay with me. It says, by sin, man was shut out from God. Now, if you remember, when we talked about, I think it was two weeks ago, we talked about the first Eden school. Now, the first Eden school had, the classroom was the Garden of Eden, okay? The instructor was God himself. The textbook was nature, right? And the first students was, were Adam and Eve. And then last week we looked at the, there was a slight change in the education. God himself could not come as he normally would. And now the garden was no longer their classroom. Now the classroom had to have, have uh, weeds in it and uh, uh, painful things all up in the garden because they had to, to have everything by the sweat of their brow. So the whole condition of how they were operating changed, okay? Now, keep it in mind. Stay with me. So that changed. The classroom changed. The textbook was adapted. All of that was a part of the plan of education after the fall of man. Now, I'll read this again. By sin, man was shut out from God. Except for the plan of redemption, eternal separation from God, the darkness of unending night would have been his. So sin caused separation. Everybody knows that. That's biblical. Watch this. Through the Savior's sacrifice, communion with God is again made possible. Well, how's that? We may not in person approach into his presence, 
in our sin, we may not look upon his face. Then watch what it says. But we can behold him and commune with him in Jesus, the Savior. Wait. So I can't see God face to face. I can't enter into the throne room and just demand of God to do something for me. I have to come through the person of Jesus. Stay with me. I have to come through the person of Jesus. This Through the person of Jesus, now I have access to God. I have communion with God. Stay, stay here. Watch this. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. God is in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So what's happened? You see, when sin comes into play, sin calls separation. So I couldn't go to God as the direct teacher anymore. And so now God has to use the, the imperfect creation to begin to reflect and teach his character. But this imperfect creation is not a perfect reflection of God. So what does God do? From the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. Jesus now is the perfect reflection of God. There's no, better, there's no better reflection, there's no better representation, there's no better author. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily is in the person of Jesus. He now is our instructor, and through Jesus, we now get to see God the Father. Watch. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld him full of grace and truth, and him was life, and life was the light of men. The life, now this was profound. Watch this. The life and the death of Christ. The price of our redemption. So what is the price of our redemption? The life and the death of Christ. So if I were to ask you, what is the, what is the, what is the price of our redemption? The life and death of Christ. Watch. The life and death of Christ, the price of our redemption, are not only to us, the promise and pledge of life, not only the means of opening again to us the treasures of wisdom. They are a broader, higher revelation of his character than even the holy ones of Eden knew. Stop. You got you to gotta think about, like when I read stuff like that, you got to think. What do you mean? The revelation of Jesus Christ was an even greater revelation of God than when God himself was teaching Adam and Eve in person. Why is that? Because in this revelation of God, this shows a deeper, more profound love of God because now God has taken on human flesh, my friends. God has now taken on our struggle. He has taken on our burden, whereas before, mankind wouldn't know that God would do something like that because everything was perfect. Are you with me? Everything was perfect. Everything was exactly the way it was supposed to be. But now, in God's wisdom, he, he, he sets aside and puts on humanity so that humanity can see God has a direct personal interest in your struggle. Now, the reason why I read, say that. You have your Bible open with me, open with me to the book of Hebrews. Go to the book of Hebrews. I want you to see this. 
because it is, it is in this relationship that we begin to understand who God is and understanding that he is intimately connected with my struggle, with me, with my salvation. Watch. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, and I want us to read for a moment verse number, verses number 16, 17, and 18. Watch carefully. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 16, 17, and 18. Watch what it says. For verily, he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Well, he was made like unto us. Yes, brothers and sisters, he was made like unto us. Now, why does this become so, so pertinent? I was reading, listen, I haven't even got to the good part yet. I'm reading this book, right? I'm reading this book, Education. Everybody should have this. I'm reading this book and I see this passage in here. It says, and while, God, while Christ opens heaven to man, so Christ opens heaven to man, Christ says, uh, I'm coming to save my children. While Christ opens heaven to man, the life which he imparts opens the heart of man to heaven. Hmm. So that tells me already, I can't open my own heart to God. I can't open my own heart to God. Did you, did, you, did you get it or did you miss it? I'll read it again. And while Christ opens heaven to man, the life which he imparts opens the heart of man to heaven. You guys get that? So he imparts it and now my heart is open. My heart is not open before that. My heart is closed before that. God initiates the chasing and God initiates the opening. Come on now. Then it says, sin, watch this now. And this, when I was reading this, it began to dawn on me even more clearly why at times I just don't like to read my Bible. Why at times I just don't like to study. Why at times I just don't like to pray. It, it made it so clear in my mind. So watch, watch what I'm about to read. Sin not only shuts us away from God, but destroys in the human soul both the desire and capacity for knowing him. Did you get that? Sin not only separates us from God, but it destroys the desire and capacity. Now, what, what's the desire? A desire is something that you long for. It's something that you want. But sin literally rips away your desire to do good, to want good, to be good, to, to, to eat good, to walk good, to talk good. Sin says it, it numbs that. It, it numbs it. So I said to myself, why do we get so mad at people when they don't know Jesus? Because sin literally numbs them from righteousness, point blank, period. How can I, how can I be mad at the, the liar and the cheater, the adulterer? How can I be mad at the, the person that steals from me? How can I be mad if somebody loses their temper at me? 
if I know the reality that sin numbs and kills the desire to know God. It kills the capacity. Now, what's the capacity? Capacity is that which can hold, right? It's a, it's a place where something can be held. So sin destroys the capacity. So I can't even, I, I have no place to hold it. I have no place to, I have no place to hold it. I have no place to, to, to hold the love of God, to want the love of God. Sin destroys all of that. So I say to myself, man, so when I don't want to study, when I don't want to pray, when I see people that don't want to study, don't want to play, they pray, they don't want to do righteous things. I understand it now because we are all an unclean thing. And see, this is the point of education. This is the point of God in his movements and his work with us. Watch this. I'll read it again in your hearing. Sin not only shuts us away from God, but destroys in the human soul both the desire and the capacity for knowing him. Now, remember, education, the first component of education is to know God, is to spend time with God. But if you don't spend time with God, you can't know God. But sin destroys your desire to know God. So how do we, how do we fix this conundrum, right? If sin destroys the capacity to know God, to want to know God and to, to be in love with him, how do, I, how do I love him? Watch this. All this work of evil, all this work of evil, it is Christ's mission to undo. Mm. What's the work of evil? Numbing the capacity, numbing the desire. Christ came to undo it. How? The faculties of the soul, paralyzed by sin, the darkened mind, the perverted will, he has power to invigorate and to restore. So listen, see, with, with these talks, with these studies, when we're studying Bible prophecy, when we're studying righteousness by faith, when we're studying the plan of redemption, everything and every point must come back to Christ. Why? Because he's the only one, one that can create in you and create in me the reality of righteousness, my friends. You don't have it. I don't have it. I don't want to pray sometimes. I don't want to study sometimes. That is real life. So what does Christ do? He says, well, I can invigorate. I can bring life to your dead Christian walk. Then he says this. He opens to us the riches of the universe. And by him, the power to discern and to appropriate these treasures is imparted. What does that mean? In other words, if it's imparted, that means it comes from the outside and it finds its way in. Does that make sense? So he imparts it. He gives it because I don't have it. He gives it. He puts it inside of us because we don't have it. So it's necessary, brothers and sisters, that if I am being educated, I don't care what university, what school you go to, that education must point me to Christ because as I am pointed to Christ, he does something in me that I don't have naturally myself. Let's be practical for a moment. I'm a married man, and my wife is a wonderful, lovely, godly woman. And as a married man, my thoughts and feelings are to be towards her. Now, in this present world, the enemy is very tricky. He's very sly. He does try to throw stuff in there. And it's not like because you're married, you don't have thoughts, right? Thoughts come to your brain all the time. 
things happen in your, in your thoughts and feelings all the time. So what must a married man do in order to be pure and righteous in his dealings with his wife and his dealings with his children? What must he do? He must have his eyes fixed on Jesus. What happens? If you have your eyes fixed on your wife, you know what's going to happen, my friends? If you have your eyes fixed on your enemy, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to end up falling. You're going to end up in sin. You're going to end up doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing because Christ is the only one that can keep you when you can't keep yourself. Education, the point of all education, is to restore us back to what God originally intended for us to be. Well, let's go a little bit further with this. I thought that was a hallelujah moment, right? Because literally, I don't have a natural desire for righteousness, but God puts in me a desire for righteousness. He imparts it where I don't have it. So right now, if you're listening and you don't have a love for God, praise God. At least you acknowledge the reality of your condition. Now you can ask him, Father, please give me love for you. Show me how to behold you so that I can learn to love you. It says this, Christ is the light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world, John 1, 9. As through Christ, every human being has life, so also through him, every soul receives some ray of divine light. Not only intellectual, but spiritual power. A perception of right, a desire for goodness exists in every soul or in every heart. Well, how does that happen? Because God, when you, when you were born into the world, every good thing, every perfect thing comes down from the father of lights. So every person in the world that says, I'm a good person, I do all these good things. If there is something good happening, it's because God himself has put that in you. All glory goes to him. And at some point, brothers and sisters, all of us will begin to acknowledge that reality. All of us will. And it says this, watch this. But against these principles, there is a struggling antagonistic power. What is that? The result of the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is manifest in every man's experience. There is in his nature a bent to evil, a force which unaided he cannot resist. Okay, I'm going to pause here for a moment. Think with me. The last temptation you had, that last struggle you had, you know you, you, know you weren't supposed to do it, right? You made up your mind, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to fall into sin. I'm not going to disobey the Lord's commandments. I'm going to obey all that God has given me to obey. And you end up falling. Why? Because there's this natural bent in us to do that which is wrong. And the Christian, it's almost like this. Can I, can I say it like this? The Christian is not ordinary. The Christian is a super ordinary creature. When you are giving your heart to Christ, right? And he comes into your heart and he comes into your mind. The Bible says we become new creatures. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. The believer does not have the luxury of disconnecting from God and still living righteously. Can, can I say that? Like, I don't have the luxury of saying, okay, God, time out, time out. I'm just, I'm, I'm good on the whole righteous thing today. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do what I do. I'm gonna do me. We don't have the luxury of doing that. 
because we are Christians, we must at all times remain connected. At all times, vitally connected with the source of strength. I have no goodness in me. The moment I disconnect from the source of strength, I will go down. I will compromise. I will do bad things. I am an unclean thing all by myself. I, I, hope, I hope this is making sense. So as we're, lear- as we're learning this, this, this idea of education, this idea of education is not simply intellectual assent to information, but it is a knowledge of God. It is a coming close to God. Stay with me a little bit further here. There is in his nature a bent to evil, a force which unaided he cannot resist. To withstand this force, to attain that ideal which in his inmost soul he accepts as alone worthy, he can find help in but one power. Not 10 powers, not 12 powers, not there's only one power. He can find help but in one power. What is that power? That power is Christ. What's that power, my friends? That power is Christ. You and I cannot resist the devil without Christ. Vital connection with him. I wish I could say this in a louder way, or more, maybe in a more softer way. Maybe this is so you don't think I'm an angry black man. You and I cannot live righteously without the righteous one. And we have taken for granted the reality that in order to be Christians, we must be connected with Christ. There's no time out from that. There's no, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll get to this later. It's, it's imperative. Now, the deception is this. Now pay attention to what I wanna tell you. Remember Adam and Eve are in the garden and Eve takes the fruit, she eats it. Adam takes the fruit, he eats it. They realize they're naked. They go find some fig leaves and cover themselves with fig leaves. And I don't know if you know anything about the property of fig leaves, but figs have a electrical current in them. It was their way of trying to light themselves back up. Just, I'm just saying. Now, with that in mind, they, they in their minds, and we do this all the time. So I'm talking, if you are on, I, we do this all the time. We do wrong, okay? We do wrong, and then we try to cover up all the wrong by doing stuff right. So I do wrong. <laughs> I, I, I lied on my taxes, or I, I lied to my, to my child, or I, I, I didn't pay my tithes and offerings. So we do wrong, and then we try to make up for it by doing right, and we're good. It's, people say, I'm a good person. I'm going to tell you something right now that many people are afraid to say. There are good people are not going to heaven. Do you hear me? Good people are not going to heaven. God is not letting good people in. God is letting saved people in. God is letting people in that have accepted his dear son, that have come under their relationship with the most high. Good people don't go to heaven. Righteous people go to heaven. And that righteousness is not righteousness that they have of themselves. It is something that has been given to them. And so when people, when we come down to these last days of earth's history and people are going to be saying, I'm a good person, or we go to church on this day, or go, that doesn't matter. If you're not vitally connected with God, 
it's pointless. So let me read it again. It says, to withstand this force, to attain that ideal, which in his inmost soul he accepts as alone worthy, he can find help in but one power. What's that one power? That power is Christ. Cooperation with that power is man's greatest need. Are you hearing me, my friends? Again, when you think back, think back for a moment, your struggle, your fight, the issues that you're having in your walk with the Lord. What, what's the issue? The issue is, are we spending time enough with him? Are we throughout the day, are our thoughts upon those heavenly things? When we're in a crisis, is the first thought when we're in trouble, turn my eyes to Jesus. Huh? Is that the first thought? Is that the first reaction? If it's not, then we need to pray. Father, help me because I can't do this on my own. Father, lead me moment by moment, day by day. If we don't do this, we're lost. And this is the point of true education. The point of true education is when Adam and Eve are in the garden, they had direct access to God. When they sin, no more direct access. So what has to happen? Jesus must come, and it is through him that we behold the character of God. And in beholding the character of God, our characters begin to be transformed. Our characters begin to be transformed. Now, the reality is, and I, we said this yesterday with, with the brothers that we were with, we don't get there in one day. So stop killing yourself because you've made a mistake that you fail. You know what? I made a mistake. I fell. Let me go to my closet. Let me go to my secret place. Let me ask God to do something in me that I can't do myself. Stop killing yourself because you fail. What happens when you fall? Jesus comes closer than he was the moment before. Closer still. Closer still he comes. When you feel worthless, closer still he comes. I'm telling you because I've been there, done that. And he's still close. He's still comforting. And he says, just come, come to me, my child. Come to me. Now, the Christian in this day and age, and there are few Christians, brothers and sisters. There are many by name. There are few by experience. There are many by name. Christian, Seventh-day Adventists, Baptists, Episcopalians, Catholics. There are many by name, but few by experience. When I say that, brothers and sisters, I mean spirit-filled brothers and sisters who have a vital connection with the Most High, who would rather die than break that vital connection. There are few. You say, but Brother Waller, why do you say that? Look at our world, brothers and sisters. Instead of look, in fact, we don't even have to go that far. Look at yourself. Don't do it too long. You're going to get discouraged. But look at your own self. Look at the pride, the arrogancy that's in your heart, that's in my heart. Look, look at the, the, the we get, listen, this, it's so crazy how, how, how selfish we are. We get proud when we do good things. Like if I preach good, somebody says, Brother Waller, it's a great sermon. Oh, you cook very well. Pride comes up. Simplest things. You go in the mirror. You look good. You don't realize all you are is advanced dust particles, right? You're cleaning dust because we were made from dust. We make it. We put makeup on dust. We we clean the dust and the shiny. We shine the dust. All we are are is dust amplified by the breath of the breath of God, and we we take glory in things that only belong to Him. 
It is ignorance of God that makes us so puffed up and arrogant and proud. It is ignorance of God that thinks, that makes us think that we can run this world. We can make money and just be whatever we wanna be. It's ignorance of God, brothers and sisters, that makes us to the place in our thoughts and feelings that, can you think about this for a moment? If, if and I'm gonna use myself as an example. My wife comes to me and she wants something from me and I don't like the way she said what she said. I get upset at her because of the way she says what she said to me. Now, first of all, who am I to be upset at my wife for what she said, how she said what she said? Who, who am I? What throne am I, do I sit on? What, what kingdom do I rule? You, you know what I mean? Like the reality is my friends, the mercy and the grace of God that he has bestowed upon me, I should be more so willing to bestow that upon all who may offend or who may come at me in a way that I don't like. It is ignorance of God that makes men and women to the point where they would not receive rebuke, that would not receive instruction. It's ignorance of God, brothers and sisters. Because if you think about it, I, mean, I, I think I told you guys the other day, uh, I went and climbed a little mountain called Mount Manadnock a few years ago, and I, I got to the top of the mountain. And when I got to the top of the mountain, I looked over and, and I was like, man, this is, this is phenomenal. This is so beautiful. This is great. And then in that moment in time, I felt so small, tiny. Who put the mountain there? God did. Who put the sky in place? Well, God did that. I'm small. God is great. I'm tiny. He is strong. So in the, rea in the realization of the greatness of who God is comes the reality of how small I am. And if I can remember how small I am, then in humility is how I deal with my brother and my sister. It's in, in humility how I deal with the church member. It's, it's in humility how I look at a church that is broken. Because then I remember I'm broken too. We are in this together. It's not they are in apostasy. It's not they are in trouble. It's we are in trouble. We are broken. We are in sin. But it's because we all have our, you know, our different levels, our little, you know, our little platforms. And you're not on my platform, so I'm going to shoot you. And you're not on my platform, so I'm going to shoot you. And God is on his platform. And the Bible says, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. It didn't say the hour of my judgment or your judgment, his judgment, because his judgment supersedes all of our judgments. And we all then come down and be are at the foot of the throne of the most high. And it's in our lack of knowledge of him that we become puffed up and arrogant and proud. So education reminds us, true education reminds us in the knowledge of God, in the knowledge of the need of my salvation, in the knowledge of the reality that I've been created and I'm not the creator, that knowledge humbles me. So the question is, here's a question that's thinking out loud with you right now. What have you been saved from, brothers and sisters? What has God forgiven you for? Have you forgotten where you used to be? Have you forgotten where he brought you from? It is in forgetfulness of what he's done that makes us so hard on other people. Think about it. 
I'm just, I'm just being real with you for a moment. Think about what he's done. Think about how you used to sleep around. Think about how you used to lie and commit adultery and, and bear false witness. Think about it, brothers and sisters. And I don't, and I'm, I'm just listing stuff, but at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit's already spoken to your mind in regards to what has been going on inside your heart and mind. And he's been merciful and he's been gracious and he's been kind. He's not giving us what we deserve, brothers and sisters. I, I promise you that. I promise you he has not given us what we deserve. But he's given us what his son deserves. What does his son deserve? Oh, brothers and sisters, his son, his son, his son, brothers and sisters, sits on a throne. He's given that to me. He's given that to you. His son, brothers and sisters, has eternal life abiding within himself. He's given us eternal life, brothers and sisters. His son has peace that passes all understanding. His son has all these things. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily resides in the son, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And that is available to every believing soul. I see Sister Danny put up, the only greatness is the greatness of humility. Mercy. <laughs> and, and interestingly, humility does not come by me efforting it. It comes by beholding the most humble one. Huh? It comes by beholding the most humble one. Let me, let me, let me, let me try to finish this. The true teacher is not satisfied with second-rate work. Why? What's, what's the work of the teacher? As an educator, as a teacher, the job of the educator and teacher is to teach the child not just mathematics, and accounting is to teach the child the development of character. But how can you teach the development of character? You can't teach that if you're not teaching them of the character of God. But how do you know the character of God? The only way to know the character of God is by beholding Jesus in action. That's why we're instructed. We should spend a thoughtful hour each day contemplating the life of Christ. Can you imagine, brothers and sisters? I mean, we have 10 commandments, right? Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, all those things. We have all those 10 commandments. And then there's one instruction that's given. Spend a thoughtful hour each day contemplating the life of Christ, especially the closing scenes. Now, why would that be important? Because as you behold, you become changed. As you watch, you become changed. So that's why the devil does everything in his power to get you looking everywhere else. Got you looking at your, your spouse's defect. Got you looking at the church's defect. Got you looking at the, the, the banker's defect. Or some of y'all so caught up in politics, got you looking at Trump's defects. Got you looking everywhere else but on Jesus. Got you being entertained by watching this or watching that. Got you doing everything else but beholding Jesus. Let me tell you something, my friends. It is in that fellowship, in that communion with God, as you're opening the scriptures, as you're beholding Jesus, as you're, in, as you're in prayer, he, God himself, begins to put something in you. I'm going to tell you a true story. This really happened to me. So many years ago, my parents were having a, a tough time in their relationship. And I'm not going to go into great detail, but they were having a tough time relationship. It was my freshman year in college. And as they were going through their tough time in their relationship, I was losing my mind. Okay. And, and I say that because 
my parents were everything to me. They, their religion was my religion. I had great, we used to dance around the house on Friday nights and just having great times and rejoicing together, but they were about to get a divorce. And I remember being at school and literally crying myself to sleep one night. And I know I've told this story many times, but this is a true story, man. I got to tell it again. So I remember crying myself to sleep that night. And the next day I go to church, big church, everybody come down for special prayer. I came down for special prayer. Pastor gets up and he prays. And as I'm praying, brothers and sisters, I literally could not stop crying. Like I, tears were just coming down my face. I, and literally I felt like I was going to die. And as I'm in that moment, feeling this overwhelming stress, overwhelming anxiety, as I'm in that state, I'm talking to God. Now, as I'm talking to him in my mind, because I'm not saying anything out loud, I'm talking to him and I'm saying, Father, you got to do one or two things. I said, either one, you got to bring my, my parents back together or two, you got to give me this peace that your Bible says, that your word says passes all understanding. You got to do one of the two things because I'm not going to make it. I feel like I'm about to die. I literally prayed that prayer. <laughs> my, my, my friend's true story. As I'm praying the prayer, a hand comes down. I, I felt it was a hand and touches my shoulder. And it touched my shoulder, but it did more than that. It touched my shoulder and my heart rate simply slowed down. The tears on my face literally dried up without me touching my own face, without any human hand touching my face. I literally had this peace just come over my whole being. Y'all not hearing nothing I'm saying. I mean, literally, peace just came over my whole being and I was at rest and it didn't make any sense. Like my mind was like, wait, what's happening? The circumstances didn't change. My mom and dad were still getting a divorce. My, the, the situation around me still wasn't favorable, but in that moment, there was a peace that just came down from heaven. It was like, and I couldn't explain it, except that's what the scripture says. There's a peace that passes all understanding. It's when you put your whole weight on God, when you put everything you have, literally, brothers and sisters, listen to me. I was crying out everything I had, I was giving to God. I had nothing left. And you know when you have nothing left? Woo, watch this. Nothing is apparently more helpless, yet really more invincible than the soul that feels his nothingness and relies wholly upon the merits of the Savior. God will send every angel in heaven Nobody, are you hearing what I'm saying? God will send every angel in heaven to, it, to the aid of such a one rather than allow him or her to be overcome. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, that happened to me. I'm there, had nothing left, pouring everything on the altar. And yes, there was a struggle. Yes, there was a night of crying. And the next day I'm crying, but I'm telling you, you hold on to your savior. You hold on for dear life, and I promise you, you seek him, you will find him. When you search for him with all of your heart, he will be found of you, brothers and sisters. He will be found of you. My question is, are you giving him everything? Have you, have you surrendered everything to him?
And I would, to me, with all this extra time to kind of be at, you, you know, you can't go anywhere, you can't hang out, you can't go do nothing. So you got to be at home. How much more, instead of just losing yourself and numbing yourself and watching TV or YouTube, you know, video games or scrolling through Facebook or how much more in this time do we have to press close to Jesus? Why not take him up on what he's promised? Why not take him and say, Father, your word says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally and abrade of not, and it will be given. Why not take him up on that promise? Why not take him up on, if any man, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why not take, literally take it to him? Father, you said it. You said it. And you know what? God don't mind you taking his word to him. I'm telling you, he don't mind. I don't care what the situation is. Take the word to him on your knees. Ask him, Father, this is my life. Help. And he will help. He will, come to, he will come to you. He will help you. He will strengthen you. He will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And if you're having these issues and you're having these problems, now is the time. God has carved out the time where the government itself said, go ahead and rest. <laughs> go ahead and spend time. Don't be so busy that when they let up this, this, this curfew stuff that they got going on, when they let it up, that now you begin to rush about your life and forget about this opportunity. Don't neglect this opportunity to be with Jesus. Don't neglect it, brothers and sisters. Don't neglect it. I want to, I want to finish this. It's time for me to let you go. I'm going <laughs> to, man, there's so much here. I'm going to, I'm going to let you go. It says, These principles become a living power to shape the character through the acquaintance of the soul with Christ, through an acceptance of his wisdom as the guide, his power as the strength of heart and life. He is the power. He is the strength. Let me, let me say something to you very quickly. It's very possible, brothers and sisters, that we're looking for love and acceptance in the wrong place. Now, what, what, what do I mean by that? I mean, brothers and sisters, that and love, acceptance, and wisdom in the wrong place. What I mean is this. God created us to fellowship with him and to serve others. There is nothing in that... Y- union or in that setup where it is designed that you are supposed to expect someone to love you. I'll say this. Let me say it again. This relationship that God desires to have with us, he says, love me and love your fellow man. That's, isn't that what he says? Love me and love your fellow man. He wants you to go to him for the source of your love. He doesn't want you to go to your wife for the source of your love. He doesn't want you to go to your children for the source of your love. He wants you to go to him. He's the source of your love. And as you go to him, him being the source, now you share that love with others. And inevitably, brothers and sisters, 
that love will find its way back to you. But if you're looking for it from, listen, I, I, I find this interesting. I find this interesting. There are many who desire the church to do for them what they should be doing for the church. So they say the church is in apostasy, not knowing that they're in apostasy themselves. What should I be doing? If, if my church is broken, if my home is broken, if my children aren't being obedient, it, what should I be doing? I need to go to the source of wisdom. Who's the source of wisdom? Jesus is. If I, if I don't know what to do, if I don't know how to love my wife, what should I be doing? I should be going to the source of love. Who's the source of love? Jesus is. So if Jesus is the source, then I can love my wife when I don't have anything left. Are you following what I'm saying? Our source of love, our, our source of wisdom, our source of, of knowing what to do in the last days is not in me. And Peter, Peter, Peter trusted in himself. So when the final crisis came, what did he do? He chopped off the ears. Why, is he, why are we chopping people's ears off in these last days? Because people are trying to prepare for the crisis by themselves and of themselves. He is the source. Christ Jesus is the source. He is everything to us. Everything. We're not going to finish this work with sarcasm. We're not going to finish this work by just pointing out the sins of others. It's only one way iniquity is purged. By truth and grace together, iniquity is purged, brothers and sisters. And I'm telling you, for me, I need more of Jesus. I need more of truth and grace combined. I need more of the fellowship with the Most High. I need more of his instruction in my life. I need more of prayer with my Lord. So as I commune with him, he communes with me and I can live a life of righteousness in a wicked and ungodly world. It is acquaintance with him, knowledge of him that will develop the character in me that will help us reflect him in this in this world. The great principles of education are unchanged. They stand fast forever and ever, for they are the principles of the character of God to aid the student in comprehending these principles and, enter, and entering into that relation with Christ, which will make them a controlling power in the life, should be the teacher's first effort, and constant aim. That is our aim. As parents, as instructors, as husbands, as wives, our first responsibility is to make sure that I am vitally connected with Jesus so that Jesus can then be reflected in me as I serve all those that are around me. Without him, brothers and sisters, I cannot serve. Without him, brothers and sisters, I cannot love. Without him, end-time events are a fearful thing. But with him, peace that passes understanding. With him, we can walk on water. With him, brothers and sisters, education and redemption are one and the same. For both education and redemption are based in a knowledge of God. And I'm praying, brothers and sisters, as we are in these closing hours of earth's history, that our focus becomes so hyper-focused on Jesus 
I mean, it, it, it comes as a natural conversation. When, when we have the opportunity, our hearts will spring forth to speak of the lovely Jesus. I pray that that's your prayer. I pray that today as we are going about and, and, ref, and, and engaging with family and friends, I pray that Jesus will be seen in each one of us. If that's your prayer, why don't you bow your heads with me? Ask God to, to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your love and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for not giving us what we deserve, but giving us what your dear son does. In this work of redemption, you desire us to see the face of Jesus. <laughs> it is in, it's in the face of your dear son that we catch a glimpse of the pureness and holiness of who you are. Father, teach us how to behold and never let go. Teach us how to have unbroken communion, unbroken fellowship, so that when the world turns, turns towards us and as persecution presents itself, Jesus alone will be seen. Please, Lord. Teach us moment by moment and day by day. Thank you for the gift of the Spirit. Thank you for answering our prayer. Thank you, Lord, for not giving us what we deserve. Thank you for giving us what your dear son does. Please, Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name, and we claim the merits of his holy and most precious blood. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, friends, for joining us tonight. Tomorrow night, just so you know, I have... I think it's four couples coming on. We're going to be talking about how to build a happy home and uh, you're not going to want to miss that. So please tomorrow night, six 30, it's going to be powerful. These are young couples. So I'm very excited to have them on. God bless you. You have a wonderful evening. Those of you, I am sending out the study guides, but I'll probably be sending them out on Wednesday. Uh, so you'll receiving those study guides. If you want to study guides, make sure you're part of my mailing list and we'll get that to you. God bless you. You have a good evening and looking forward. Oh, one other thing. If you have any questions, that's what I wanted to say. Got any questions that you would like um, the couples to deal with tomorrow, shoot me an email, shoot me a, a put it in the, in, in the chain in the Facebook down here. If you're in the Zoom with me, put the questions in the question box. I'll be happy to put those questions to the panelists that will be on tomorrow. So if you have any questions for in regards to relationships, marriage, so forth and so on. Please put those questions uh, in the various locations that you're in right now. And also, please join our podcast. Uh, it's been going very well. Everything that we do on Facebook, we're recording all the videos and curating those. And we're also recording all the audios. So they're on our podcast as well. So God bless you. Oh, yes. Name of the podcast is The Gospelpreneur. Uh, so just check that out. All right. God bless you guys. You have a wonderful evening. Appreciate you.